Tuning in to the Not For The Bay podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and all other major streaming platforms. Uh, this episode of the Not For The Bay podcast is brought to you by Bet Us, where you can receive over 125% in bonuses by going ahead, going ahead and clicking the link in the description upon sign up. Bangers as usual on the Not For The Bay podcast. Uh, I know we haven't done a pod in quite some time. We're going to be discussing Debo Samuel, his current situation with the San Francisco Cisco 49ers, scrubbing the 49ers from the, his Instagram account. Uh, the unfortunate news Saturday morning about the passing of quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Steve Wilkes, former Arizona Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes, and the Ray Horton adding themselves to the Brian Flores NFL discrimination lawsuit. We will jump into that. And also, the Flores memo that he added also to the, uh, added also to the, to the, to the, excuse me, the lawsuit. Again, like I said, it's been a while since we did a pod. Uh, for those that are looking forward to the pods, we're we're in transition of doing something a little bit differently. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please do because we drop we drop content on a regular basis every day, almost every day. Excuse me. Don't want to back myself into a corner here where I got to live up to that expectation. But. It's it's been busy um, dealing with a, dealing with a cold. I didn't want to come up here and speak for hours straight with a uh, congested being all congested. Um, also, a couple movies came out. I'm yet to watch the Sonic movie. Um, I just finished watching the Morbius movie. The reviews for the Morbius movie recently haven't been that great. Honestly, when I go into the movies, when when I have expectations for a movie I go in and try my absolute absolute best not to make the comparison to act to the comic book I feel like those those ruin their experience by going in there expecting comic book similarities and Honestly, I I'm I'm going I'm going to incl- I'm going to I kind of agree that the Morbius movie was a little bit underwhelming and I feel like towards the end it got a little bit twisted. Now, I've given you enough time. It's been about what, 2 weeks now where the movie has been out and I feel at the ending Morbius's girlfriend her turning into a 
vampire at the end uh, kind of well first it was interesting and then when we ended up getting to the first post credit scene with the Michael Keaton vulture switching universes and him going into that universe from the Marvel Cinematic Universe was interesting and wanting to join forces with Morbius was interesting. And again, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the biggest movie head, but that was, that was very, very interesting. And it caused a little bit of confusion for me too, as well, uh, because of the fact that like, I felt like us being in that universe, the Marvel cinematic universe, it opened up a lot of things that you can do with the Marvel cinematic universe, but just Spider-Man in general and by you having the Spider-Man No Way Home movie, I'm thinking, okay, with them having the whole multiverse situation where you had the Green Goblin come through from one universe, you had the Doc Ock coming from another universe, you had Electro coming from another universe, Lizard from another universe. I'm thinking, okay, maybe we can do something with the Sinister Six where everybody from that particular Everybody from their, every villain from their universe could possibly come back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, into that Spider-Man verse, where we could possibly do a movie somewhere where we can end up fighting Spider-Man at some point, if that makes any sense. I kind of, I felt that was kind of, that was kind of, that was kind of confusing when I ended up speaking it out, but you get, you get what I'm saying. Like, maybe... They could have did that a little bit differently. Like that, that was, that was the whole confusion situation for me, but it was, it, as far as Morbius, it was, it was an okay movie. If we were going to just rank it with one of the, the top three worst Marvel movies, honestly, I wouldn't even put them in the, in the worst top three. Um, I thought I didn't even watch Dark Phoenix in the movie theater, so I really can't even voice an opinion about it. I personally didn't like it. I didn't like the X Men reboot, but eh, it is what it is. I I I can't I can't put it in the top three worst movies. Also, we got two weeks out. We got two weeks out of the Moon Knight Moon Knight TV show. It's a little bit of a twist. As to as to be expected, with these Marvel TV shows on Disney Plus, they have been very complex. Where it takes a it takes a while for you to understand where they're going with going with it on that level, and I feel like at this point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I feel like it's not it's not meant for kids. It's more for the more mature audiences. And I kind of got that and I kind of got that um I kind of got that that idea when we when they came out with the Loki TV show where it was complex at the end with 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 the whole time and repeating itself and stuff like that. But the whole narcissist part about Loki 
He's a narcissist. If you don't know what narcissists are, they love themselves. They can only love themselves. And by bringing in another Loki from another universe, he falls in love with himself. Just the complex, how complex it was, 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 was very interesting. But back to the Morbius movie, like it's, it's, it, it was, it was okay. It's not the best. Would I want to see a sequel? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But yeah, that as far as like the past two weeks, watch that. Um, we getting ready for the NBA playoffs. Um, my it just seems like my opinion just changes as as each day go each game goes by every day. As far as who's gonna be my favorite, y'all already know I'm sleeping on the on the Miami Heat. I feel like they're a one more star away and i mean by star a player where they can actually go out and get their own shot i feel like they don't have that on the miami heats team and the more i sit down and i watch the philadelphia 76ers it's just i find it it just it just seems like i find it very very hard for them to be competitive deeper into the playoffs and it all comes down on the shoulders of james harden not being the same player that he was with the Houston Rockets. And I feel like it's going to be a Joel Embiid or bust for the Philadelphia 76ers. The Boston Celtics, there's some days where they look really good and there's some days they could could do better, but they're on the right track. But the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm, I'm not sold on Chris Middleton, but Giannis getting better as a scorer all over the floor or from different areas on the floor is definitely is definitely a sight to see. Now in the West. Obviously, the Los Angeles Lakers got eliminated. Everybody has their own opinion about LeBron James. The GOAT conversation, that door has definitely been shut. Personally, in my honest opinion, he shouldn't have been sitting out those games, regardless if he had the ankle injury. At some point, like you got to find a way to play these games. When these, are, when these are life or death games for the Lakers' playoff hopes, you can't sit out games. doesn't matter how hurt you are. You, you owe it to the team yourself and the team for you to be out there and give it everything. We're going to save the MVP race because I feel like it's just a, it's just a give, it's just a give or take thing with the, with the MVP race. I think it should go to Embiid again, Jokic with that whole situation. If they're fighting for a play in spot, I don't believe he deserves to win the MVP. But we'll see. But we'll see. Every like everybody's talking tough right now about the heat. It's put up a shut up time right now. When we get to the playoffs, that's when that's that's when when it's gonna get real. It's gonna get real. We're gonna go ahead and transition over to the NFL. Now this one hits very, very close to home. Because 
he went to high school in Potomac, which is literally 20 minutes away from my house. But Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, uh, died Saturday morning after being hit by a car in South Florida. The fact that the fact that he's just so young and he lost his life. He's only 24. He'll be 25 in May, if I'm not mistaken. And like I said, um, he went to high school in in Potomac, Maryland. He's originally from New Jersey, but went to high school in Potomac, Maryland. And during the 2019 draft, he literally went to the bowling alley literally right down the street from my house had the, had the VIP room right there, right down, right down the street from my house. So like I was, I was, I wanted the Dolphins to draft him in 2019. I'm not even going to lie to you. I would have literally just walk right down the street to my, to, from my house down to the bowling alley. I'm like, yo, welcome to Miami, bro. Welcome to Miami. But Dwayne Haskins, For his career, 12 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Threw for 2,804 yards and had a passer rating of 74.4. Um, ended up getting drafted by the Washington football team at the time um, in the first round in, two, in the 2019 draft. Um, was benched week five in 2020 due to the coaches being unimpressed with his performance and just after that I start I start thinking like the ball started to roll as far as his demise in Washington where he was fined for breaking league COVID-19 protocol back in 2020 when we like it was it was a strict protocol um he was at a at a at a, at a function where end up being at the at the team hotel prior to the prior to the game bef- then the very next day um also end up attending another function and violating the the COVID-19 protocol the exact same year um where he was was seen taking a picture where he wasn't wearing his his his, his mask and after that he got one last start with the Washington Washington football team at the time. That was probably week 15, 2020. And had a poor performance and ended up getting benched. And that's what entered Taylor Heineke in for the re- remainder of the season. And the next day, the Washington football team released him. Now, you can say what you want. I like the 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 very next offseason, the Pittsburgh Steelers added him onto the roster as a third string quarterback. And that would be behind Ben Roethlisberger and, and Mason Rudolph. I strongly believed if if things would have worked out, I believe this is prior to the Mitchell Trubisky signing. I think Dwayne Haskins could have beaten out Mason Rudolph for that starting job for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I strongly believe that. But there were also reports 
out in Pittsburgh where they weren't exactly happy with Dwayne Haskins' work ethic for Pittsburgh. But again, like this this one hit so close to home considering the fact like he's like right down the street from where I was at. And the fact that he was just so young, man, and, and, and was talented too, had a very had a big arm too. Had a very big arm. And if he just like just focused into his craft as a quarterback, he could have been great. I remember it was a preseason game. 2019, if I'm not mistaken, preseason game. It was against the Cincinnati Bengals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just him able to, the line checks that he was doing. He threw a, a threw a bomb to a to a Washington football team receiver. Uh, after identifying the blitz, and I think it was a 70 yard bomb. And I was like, man, this dude. If he could put it together, like he can be, he could be something serious. But again, man, it's unfortunate. You lose the Dwayne Haskins that's so young. Someone so close to home. Oh boy. I know we ended up putting out the disclaimer the last time. But again, we're gonna go ahead and put down the disclaimer. So, me personally, not big on politics and not big on the whole discrimination conversation. So, this conversation is definitely about to get sensitive. Well, it's a possibility it could get sensitive. But, former Arizona Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes and former NFL assistant coach Ray Horton, who are both black, are joining the Brian Flores class action suit filed against the NFL, alleging racial discrimination in hiring practices. Like when I saw this, I was I I really wanted to get a go into a deep dive as far as the the Steve Wilkes situation in in particular because I felt like that one was probably the most intriguing one considering the fact that he lasted one year with the Arizona Cardinals. And then there was this whole thing about him being fired after one season, the whole Josh Rosen situation, which if we be in a 100 with each other, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Josh Rosen fan. I root for Josh Rosen, not because of his play on the field, but due to his, unfortunate circumstances with the Arizona Cardinals and then carrying on to the Miami Dolphins. But before we, we're not even going to go, we're not even going to save, we're going to save Steve Wilkes for last. We're going to save Steve Wilkes for last. We're going to go ahead. We're going to go ahead and start with the, the Ray, the Ray Horton uh, complaint, right? So Horton alleges the Titans conducted a sham interview. With him back in 2016 when the team already decided to hire Mike Malarkey. Now, I remember back in 2016, well, the year prior, Mike Malarkey took over as the interim head coach for the Tennessee Titans. And then he ended up making that 
he ended up getting that promotion into being the Tennessee Titans head coach in 2016. Now, I believe he lasted two seasons with the Tennessee Titans, ended up going back-to-back seasons of nine and seven. Uh, I believe that was their first winning season in quite some time. And I believe the second season, 2017, he ended up making the playoffs. So um, a, fair, a fairly decent um run with the Tennessee Titans for Mike Malarkey. But anyway, getting back to Ray Horton, okay? So <clears throat> the Titans basically put out a sham interview for Ray Horton um, considering the fact that they already made their decision of who they wanted to be the head coach for the Tennessee Titans which that was going to be Mike Malarkey. That was a pre-made decision uh, with the hire. Now, also in his statement, he puts he puts out the complaint about a 2020 podcast interview in which Mike Malarkey said he regretted the process that led to him becoming the Tennessee Titans head coach. And I quote, I allowed myself at one point when I was in Tennessee to get caught up and something I regret, and I still regret it. But the ownership there, Amy Adams Strunk and her family, came in and told me I was going to be the head coach in 2016 before they went through the Rooney Rule. And so I sat there knowing I was the head coach in 2016 as they went through this fake hiring process, knowing, knowing a lot of the coaches they were interviewing, knowing how much they prepared to go through those interviews, knowing that everything they could do and they had no ch- no chance to get that job. So also in the in the in the statement, Horton said he was basically devastated and hum- humiliated. With the whole situation now. With this whole Ray Horton situation, I'm, I'm I'm sure like Tennessee Titans fans could 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 think of go back and think about that in particular about how they didn't even want Mike Willarkey as their head coach, um, considering the results that they gotten from the from his time as being the Hinchum head coach after they fired Ken Wisenhunt. He's got to hey, I think the proof is in the pudding already with the interview. For Mike Malarkey, I'm pretty sure Ray Horton has a pretty, a pretty valid case. And the fact that there's a lot of coaches coming out now, we already have what? I believe this is coach number three now, three, uh, because we have the we have the Hugh Jackson situation, and I'm actually waiting for. Well, I guess Lovey Smith really can't do anything at this point, but um, let's go ahead and uh, move on to. Steve Wilkes. And this is like this is this is the one that I really want people to put the microscope on because again, like I'll like Josh Rosen's career, I believe, got derailed due to this unprofessionalism with the Arizona Cardinals. And obviously Steve Wilkes's head coaching career got didn't end didn't didn't end or basically didn't even start well. If we're if we're being honest, but let's let's go ahead and go over the Steve Wilkes. So Steve Wilkes alleges he was hired 
as a bridge quarterback by the Arizona Cardinals in 2018 and was unfairly and discriminatory discriminatorily fired after one season with the Arizona Cardinals. Wilkes alleges differences in how he was treated in comparison to GM Steve Kim, who was white. Now, this is where this gets interesting, right? Wilkes describes being at a severe disadvantage in his first season as the head coach due to Kim's five-week suspension resulting from a DUI arrest, which caused Kim to miss the Cardinals training camp and much of their preseason. Wilkes alleges that while Kim was suspended, the GM participated in contract negotiations for running back David Johnson. In addition, Wilkes said in the complaint that he preferred the Cardinals trade up to select Josh Allen in 2018 in the 2018 NFL draft, while Kim preferred a trade to select preferred to select Josh Rosen. Now, let me I'm gonna go ahead and just stop this right here real quick. I I could understand. I could understand Steve Wilkes wanted to trade up to get Josh Allen. Like when you when you look at Josh Allen back in 2018, like has all the raw talent, has all the raw talent in the world, has a big arm, has the mobility, has the is able to do throw from multiple arm angles like Josh Allen could do it all. And unfortunately for the Arizona Cardinals situation, they end up going in the direction of Josh Rosen due to Steve, excuse me, uh, Steve Kim. So let's move on. Okay. So, um, I want to say the record after the 2018 season, the Steve Wilkes' record was what? Three, three and 13, three and 13 after one season with the Arizona Cardinals. So after that, Kim got a four year contract extension one month after the season was over and the Arizona Cardinals proceeded hiring Cliff Kingsbury as the next head coach for the Arizona Cardinals who then went in 2019, 5-10-1 in his first season. So, Cliff Kingsbury had two more wins, well, two more wins in his debut, excuse me, in his first year with the Arizona Cardinals. Two more wins. So, I'm like... This is why I feel like this is like very, very interesting because not just the head coach is affected by this whole situation. Like, yeah, players affected by this situation. And again, is this like, come on now, Kim had a DUI, got suspended and still got a contract extension when the the dysfunction. And it, it felt like there was a big power struggle between Kim and Wilkes as far as the decisions that needed to be made within the Arizona Cardinals organization and I'm assuming considering the fact that the general manager is a lot closer to the the owner 
obviously the owner decided to side with the general manager. Clearly, clearly, I, 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 I'm, I'm just so glad this this allegation came out. I really, I really am, because I felt like there was something going on with the Arizona Cardinals back in 2000 after the 2018 season, where after one year, because they were bad, the Arizona Cardinals were really bad. They were, I believe, they was almost last in almost every single. Offensive category, if I'm not mistaken. So, also updated today. They, uh, excuse me, Brian Flores added a memo dating back to December 4th, 2019, that he sent to General Manager, Miami Dolphins General Manager Chris Greer, CEO Tom Garfinkel and senior executive Brandon Shore on on Ross oh, excuse me on Ross's desire to lose games and the toxicity that existed within the organization so there you go you got the evidence right there and for those that are a little bit behind so when Brian Flores fire, filed the suit earlier on this year he had the allegations out where Stephen Ross wanted Brian Flores to lose games, which tried to bribe him into paying him. I believe it was $100,000 per loss in 2019, along with the possible tampering after the 2019 season where he wanted to recruit. Excuse me. Stephen Ross wanted Brian Flores to recruit. Tom Brady to the Miami Dolphins. Flores got the proof. Flores had the proof, and I'm not going to lie. I did have my doubts about Flores. I really did, but there you go. If he, if if that at this point, at this point, because I, I I have yet to hear from Chris Greer about his about anything that had to do with the lawsuit with Brian Flores. So if this does go to trial, then we're going to have to hear from Tom Garfinkel, the CEO and the senior executive Brandon Shore. So there's definitely going to be some consequences uh, for the Miami Dolphins for sure. Due to this, excuse me, due to this development, I'm, I'm interested to see moving forward what other minority coaches decide to come out and want to voice their story. I feel like at this day and age, sports, not just one particular sport, sports in general, players in particular, they have a different way now of voicing their frustrations with their contract situations. Now, remember when the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray scrubbed his Instagram account of all Arizona Cardinals, everything, everything Arizona Cardinals that, that had to do with Kyler Murray. Apparently, 
it ended up having to do with the fact that he wanted a new contract with the Arizona Cardinals. And then later on down the road, he ended up get, having a conversation with the Cardinals and, and now they're on good terms. So a couple days ago, Debo Samuel for the San Francisco 49ers did somewhat of the same thing, scrubbed his Instagram account of the 49ers. Personally, I think it's a little bit childish. Like, I guess that's just a way for to get the team's attention on a, on a national stage. People actually pay attention to stuff like that. I wouldn't pay it. If, 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 if people didn't make it such a big deal, I probably wouldn't even pay it that much mind. But Debo Samuel, he is currently in a contract year this year. Along with other receivers, I know we ended up having the discussion about DK Metcalf a couple shows before about a possible trade. We're going to go ahead and play devil's advocate with the whole Debo Samuel situation. Now, this past year in 2021, Debo Samuel caught for over 1,000 yards, 1,405 yards, with 77 catches, six receiving touchdowns, also rushed for 365 yards and eight touchdowns. Along with being the second, had the second most yards after the catch in 2021. Now, with this whole Debo Samuel situation, as far as the contract is concerned, his ability as a player, because you really can't just keep him at the wide receiver position. You gotta, like, they they move him around. They put him in the backfield, have it. Like, man had eight rushing, eight, eight touchdowns in total last year. Six of those were receiving touchdowns. So, like, it's it's going to be interesting how they decide, excuse me, the 49ers decide if they're going to pay him and if they do decide to pay him, what would the number actually be for Adebo Samuel? I'm thinking it would have to be somewhere around the 25 million and above annually to get you at get you to the to the dance get you in the in the in the front door we talk about the guys that just previously just got paid just in the past two years we talk about stefan diggs got paid this this week got a four-year contract 26 million per year deandre hopkins it's 27.3 per year. Devontae Adams just got paid 28 million per year. And of course, Tyreek Hill for the Dolphins, 30 million per year. Again, I think he's got to get at least 25. I don't see him better than Stefan Diggs. I don't see him better than DeAndre Hopkins. Devontae Adams, don't see it. Tyreek Hill, don't see it. So I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's got to be like 20, 25.7, some, 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 some mean ratio, uh, something like that. Now, 
it's interesting because of his importance at this point to the San Francisco 49ers, consider, considering the fact like he was almost the key vocal point to the reason why they were so successful in 2021, considering the fact they had multiple injuries at the running back position. We don't know what they're going to do with Jimmy G in 2022. It's a possibility he end up, may end up getting traded. It's a possibility he end up may getting cut. And Trey Lance may end up taking, taking the keys to the castle. And he's going to need a Debo Samuel to bail him out of some situations. But if they decide to trade him, clearly the asking price, again, it's got to be at least a first-round pick. That's what it was. For for Devontae Adams, that that was just the first. That was just the the start. You get at least a first round pick. It's just the start. Tyreek Hill, same thing for the Dolphins. They gave up at least a first round pick. So I'm thinking for Debo Samuel, it would have to be at least a first round pick. Now looking at body of work, when it comes to a Debo Samuel, the only thing that concerns me is. His 2021 production is all are all career highs. The year prior to the two years prior to that have been some been some very underwhelming seasons. So my honest opinion, eventually the Niners will pay him. They procrastinate with things like this due to history has shown and they just want to see what Debo could bring to the table in 2022 can he replicate can he replicate the season that he had in 2021 we are currently approaching that 40 minute mark so be sure to go ahead and follow us on our social media pages, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, the recently added TikTok. Also, this episode of the Not For The Bay podcast is brought to you by Bet Us, where you can receive over 125% in bonuses upon sign up by going ahead and clicking the link in the description. This is the Not For The Bay podcast. We're out of here, man. <laughs>